0: The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools, if it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan.
1: Very happy Wednesday to you all, everybody. I'm AJ Salves, and welcome to the Full Court Press on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan, Wednesday, November 13th. Aggies coming off a dominating win over Denver last night, the Denver Pioneers, who, by the way, did you know this, Royce, okay, the last time that Denver played Utah State, they got a win, Denver did, but that was in 2013, do you know who else was playing for the Denver Pioneers on that game in that core of the spectrum? Royce O'Neal, yeah, the starting uh, Utah Jazz man, was a Denver Pioneer before he transferred to Baylor. Good stuff. Aggies win easily over Denver. They get North Carolina, AT. I always want to say ATT. I gotta stop that. A T (laughs) Uh, on Friday night at 7 o'clock. And then Monday at 7 p.m., they get UTSA, who, if I looked at their schedule correctly, will have eight days off going into that game. They're 0-4 on the season. Um, but talking to a couple of people, uh, in that Utah State staff, they feel like this this UTSA team is a lot better than 0-4, a lot better. And that uh, hit their, uh, their squad will need to be ready to play, speaking of the Aggies, will need to be ready to play on Monday night. This is kind of a grueling schedule here. I mean, the two games last week, but then you have two games this week and then a short turnaround into Monday night. And then on... Uh, Tuesday you'd leave for Jamaica Wednesday you're there um and then they'll uh, get ready for North Texas and LSU and then head for st. Mary's in California it's just it's kind of a growing schedule from here on out for the Aggies for at least in the non-conference portion of it you know it's something that's really impressed me before we get to Wyoming and in the know stuff I just got to say something's really impressed me about this uh, Utah State Aggie basketball basketball squad is the lack of selfishness, like the the ball movement. You know, everybody has a good shot, but they want to find a better shot. The ball movement is incredible. It was it was on display last night. They put on a clinic of how to share the basketball as a Division I basketball program. It was it was fun to watch to say the least. Alright, it's time for your in and on the Wyoming Cowboys. Wyoming coming into this uh, game this Saturday, two o'clock PM, six and three overall, three and two, in conference play, uh, they had that heartbreaking loss 20-17 to to Boise State uh, in overtime. A game that when, after we talked to Davis Potter of the Star Tribune, you'll hear him talk about this, they felt like it was just some weird play calling late in the game that might have cost them. And then, of course, some poor execution along the way, but they felt the play calling was a little bit sketchy at one point uh, late in the 4th. Again, 20-17 to 17 at your final. Uh, Wyoming's a team who likes to run the ball. A lot. They will run the ball over and over and over again. No matter the result, I mean, Air Force does it just because that's Air Force. But Wyoming, even with Tyler Vandewald, backup quarterback in for Sean Chambers, who's out for the rest of the year. Uh, you're going to hear the amount of carries from Davis about how many times he's carried the ball and why they're concerned about that and what they're trying to do to fix it. In fact, here is uh, Coach Bull on just that very topic of, uh, of them running the ball as much as they have.
2: Well, keep on running him. That's our plan. I mean, we're in this thing to win it, and uh, he's our best runner, so we're going to keep on running him. Fair question, fair answer.
3: Are there certain elements that you have to look at when you when teams don't have to count as much for the quarterback run now mm-hmm. as to you know, what, how you're running it,
2: where you're running mm-hmm. it, things, different elements you have to incorporate? Well, I can tell you as, a, as an old defensive coordinator, when the quarterback takes off and you have predetermined runs, that, that stresses the defense. Uh, t- Tyler has the ability to run and we have all that in our playbook. So the playbook's not going to drastically change. Uh, but, uh, you know, he does not have the same... He's he's a very capable runner, but you know Sean was a six four, two hundred and twenty some pound guy. Tyler's not quite as big, uh, but uh, we'll still run him. Probably not as much as what we had planned to run Sean, and certainly the number of scrambles. However, I thought Tyler scrambled around fairly well. Some of it in the game was not by choice.
1: Now X valade carried the ball for thirty seven times for a hundred and thirty four yards versus Boise State. Thirty seven times. And they still threw 23. Tyler Vandelwald was uh, 15 to 23 for 160. No touchdowns. He was sacked three times. 37 times they ran the ball with him. And as you'll hear from Davis later in this pre recorded interview we did with him, he feels like that's going to get him killed. Meanwhile, Coach Anderson talking about uh, the offensive scheme of Wyoming
0: yeah you know the the scheme is it puts them in a spot a little bit to be you know downhill um and physical depending on the personnel groups that they're in but do I see the ability to get to the edges of the defense yes you know and they incorporate the fly sweep obviously uh we had a hard time with the fly sweep last week and Fresno's executed that very well all year long um so we'll have to be heads up for that but I think they 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 have runners that can get to the edges as as needed um but again, it's that that mindset of hey, we are a power football team, and you know we're going to smash in between the tackles and smash in between between the tackles, and you know hopefully keep the chains where they want it to be first and ten, second and six, third and two, and away we go. And some play action passes, but uh, you know they can still drop back and hit the throws when they need to be able to hit the throws. So um, you know I don't I don't want to give the impression it's just some ball control team, but that's their identity. They want to be that team, um, and you know I've been in. I've been around teams that have that identity also. And it's uh, when you have that identity and you can be powerful and run, you, you do that and, and, and fit with your own personality. So it was a good game, both sides, both physical teams. And, again, it came down to a kick.
1: Talking about the Boise State-Wyoming game, 2017 in overtime, Boise gets the win over Wyoming, and which means that Boise controls their own destiny, assuming if they win out, they would actually win the conference because they own the tiebreaker over Air Force, beating Air Force early in the season. Thirty-one fourteen. If Utah State wins, things get a little bit hairy and crazy because there's a three-way tie. Uh, assuming that Utah State beats Wyoming and then beats Boise going into that final week, Air Force hosts Wyoming uh, on November thirtieth. Meanwhile, Utah State's at New Mexico, uh, and then in regards again, Tyler Vanderwall has has been there, done that. In fact, Utah State saw him last year. You remember, uh, Sean Chambers came out; they put Tyler Vanderwall in. The offense went to crap. To be very blunt with you. Uh, VanderWaal threw that pick to Chantrell Rockamore, uh, who uh, returned it to the five-yard line. Then uh, Utah State scored on that. They also had another pick that was uh, uh, returned. And so it was VanderWaal, when you put pressure on him, he's not he's not savvy, and he's not really accurate with the ball either, which is a huge problem. And, uh, and so for, for Coach Bull uh, and... This is an interesting comment, actually. I feel like for Coach Bull, with as much as they run, they study defensive tendencies on how to find weaknesses in a run defense. Listen to this.
2: We, yeah, we. I mean, I tell you what. Every coach out there, I mean, everything with today's technology, Davis uh, is is honed through with a fine tooth comb. Now, what we're not into is analytics. Um, and I think if you're going to go with analytics, you need to be all in on analytics. I've got a really close friend out there at, at one of the academies, and he's into all analytics like you can't believe. And now he kicked himself in the butt because he said, I, I should have gone away from that on that time. And you got to be all in on the analytics. For us, we're not. But we comb through self-scout, our, our efficiencies, uh, our play calls, how they match up. Um, it's a big, big chess match
1: dissecting to try to find weaknesses in the defense for their offense to be able to gain. I mean, it's it's not new, I guess, but it's just, I mean, he specifically, when he when this question came out, it was specifically asked about with running the ball. Uh, and speaking of that loss, by the way, I'm going to go back to this one here really quickly. This is uh, Coach Bull on... You know, this team loses to Boise State, but how are they responding, especially with the rest of the schedule on the way?
2: Well, first of all, you know, we have a mantra of uh, 1-0, and and uh, that's just, I think a lot of guys have bought into it. And I know I have as well. And so a big, big ball game from that standpoint, a very quality opponent. I do think if you if you go back through, uh, believe in the, uh, the 0-16 year, uh, we hosted the, the championship game here, and we had two conference losses. Now the dynamics were completely different simply because of you know who, who we had lost to, uh, but we can only take care of the business we have. Uh, I think we've got really good leadership within our football team. Logan's doing a nice job, and so uh, our guys, uh, they're real close in that group, and I think they want to play well for each other.
1: They're going to need to play well against the Utah State Aggies who are on a roll, a 37-35 win on a game-winning field goal by Dominic Everly. Uh, who, by the way, congratulations to Dominic, who uh, was invited to the 2020 East-West Shrine Bowl. Uh, where they take some of the best players in the country and they bring them all into one on one field and they get to participate in front of NFL scouts in a game. Uh, that will be seen live. I believe that one is on the NFL Network. I might be wrong on that one. It might be on ESPN, but I believe it's on the NFL Network. Um, but that's that. That's pretty cool. Congratulations to Dominic. Uh, again, but going back to Wyoming, one thing that they're really good at is taking care of the ball. In fact, they only have five turnovers all year. Coach Janerson was pretty impressed
0: by that yep yep very good in the turnover margin um you know and you I would say it looks back to you know the the emphasis on ball control and all those other things that they do obviously it's uh um, they do a nice job in those areas of making sure that they they protect the football as much as they can and it's a high importance for them so hopefully we get one or two out didn't get any last week so you'd think there'd be one sitting out there for somewhere right (laughs) it's got to be out there somewhere
1: Hey, they got to be due for a turnover at some point if they can get again, if you can put pressure on Tyler Vandawal, you definitely give your team a shot because Tyler Vandawal will sometimes put it up in the air for grabs. He's not the best at making decisions when it comes to uh, when it comes to facing pressure uh, and getting and getting a, a blitz on him. Now, Teepa is a question mark. Uh, when asked if he would return or be available this Saturday night, Coach Anderson just flat out said, I don't know. We're not sure yet. We hope he is. We'll need him for the physicality part of the game. Speaking of physicality, Coach A. actually talked about that. He's okay with it. In fact, the crazy part, he's actually a fan of physicality. And again,
0: I think you match that in a couple different ways. You match that with being as physical as you obviously can, which is the number one priority. and then, And secondly, um, if you can use their physicality to their disadvantage in any way, shape or form, um, especially as aggressive as they are on the defensive side of the football, then you try to use that against them. Um, you know, I, I love the way they play defense. I love how physical they are. I love they want to get up in your face and play man coverage. And again, they've built themselves to be that way, which is, you know, it's, uh, uh, I'm, I'm all in with it. And I think it's a great way to play in those settings and those situations. So, but. We have to make sure that, again, we take care of the Aggies and then we have to make sure that we uh, give our kids the best opportunity to be able to be physical and also have smart offensive and defensive schemes that allow them to be physical but yet play to their strengths. And uh, I thought we've really done that the last couple of weeks on the offensive side of the football. Um, you know, even if we go back to BYU, we were more effective moving the football. We had turnovers; that absolutely killed us, and we weren't good in the red zone. Um, and we—that's—that's, we, that's, you know, in the past now, but we can't again forget about it. And then I think the the staff built on that with the offense as they went into this next week, and you know, we looked at the matchups and where we matched up. We looked to be physical and take care of our business and make plays where we had the opportunity. And the same thing will have to take place, you know, this week. Um, and the defensive side of the football will be no different. They are going to walk up there and they're going to want to smash you in the mouth and if you fall on the ground they're going to want to kick you in the face as they walk away from you that's who they are and uh that's 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 awesome that's a tough-minded team I like that too and we have to match that as we go through our preparations understand that that's uh that's that's who they want to be and football is a physical game and again I'm all in
1: I love that they're going to smash you in the mouth knock you on the ground and while they're at it, walking by they're going to kick you in the face I don't know if that's a literal sense, though. I, I don't think Wyoming would really do that. But they are. They are extremely, extremely physical. In fact, that's what they were so good at last year when they uh, played the Aggies in Wyoming is they were very, very physical offensively and especially defensively. They gave Jordan Love all sorts of issues that he just was not used to during that span uh, where they were on that offensive tear and then they ran into this Wyoming defensive out. They had a couple of NFL kids, uh, linebackers especially, who were – NFL caliber, really, really good football team defensively last year. Uh, they're expected to have that same kind of uh, sense this year. Uh, and then, of course, on the defensive end, you had uh, you know the defense for the Aggies got a couple of big stops. Um, and it all, I guess, uh, a couple of plays that stood out was, of course, the Shaq Bond play. But then also Jacoby Wildman, who had a a, a heck of a game. And, uh, in fact, here is Jacoby Wildman. This is uh, his uh, media press conference. Actually, you know what? We're not going to play that right now. I'm sorry. I'm going to do this on the fly. We're going to take a break because I've realized how long this Davis Potter interview is. We're, gonna, we're, we're not going to do that. We're not going to play Jacoby today. I'll have Eric play that tomorrow for you when we actually have a little bit more time. Uh, but here is uh, Coach Bull's opening statement. And then after that, we'll take a break. And then we'll get you into our interview with David to meet Davis Potter of the Star Tribune in Wyoming, beat writer for the Wyoming Cowboys, who will uh, talk to us about what to expect from Wyoming on his end of things. So here's Coach Bull, his opening statement on uh, on the loss to Boise State, but then also getting ready for the Utah State Aggies.
2: Looking forward to another uh, great football game on the mountainside playing Utah State. Had a couple closing comments after I had a chance to watch uh, and review all three phases of the game with Boise State. Uh, it kind of seemed exactly how it was after uh, after I watched it, how I saw it on the sidelines. Uh, two teams that were really competitive. Uh, there was a lot of parity in the ball game. I think the total yardage came down to two yards difference, and um, certainly a really good effort on our part. Um, I thought Boise played well also, and so uh, you know it was one of those games. Uh, the old coaching saying is, "We played well enough just to get beat." And, and that's probably true. There's some things that we've got to work on. However, I thought there were some really good things during the course of the game. Uh, defensively, <clears throat> there was—you uh, know—we did a good job getting off the field on third down. Did a nice job uh, stopping their running game, and I thought for the most part uh, limited their explosive plays. They've got some big-time playmakers. We were able to pressure the passer. There was a lot of times. Uh, I think we got maybe two sacks, but we hit the quarterback an awful lot. Uh, offensively uh, it was great to see Tyler go out there and compete I thought Tyler really competed and and, uh, played well Uh, X ran the ball well he ran the ball 37 times and you know if somebody would have told me a couple years ago that he'd be carrying the ball 37 times I would have thought that that would not have happened but I think it's an indication of his resolve Um, you know certainly uh, plays made all the way around and uh, it was it was a disappointing loss but it wasn't disappointing from the standpoint of our our energy and our players effort now what is going to be important to do is is have that same type of intensity as we get ready to go over to logan Uh, they're a really good football team and many times if you have a team that gets on an emotional high uh, there it's followed up by an emotional low and so it's going to be our challenge as coaches is to make sure that you know our effort was one of playing with great passion and enthusiasm. And to be able to match that same level of uh, intensity this next week, we got to have a good week of practice. Uh, I think we are fairly healthy, and so we have to have a good week of practice as we get ourselves ready to go. We did sustain what I would think is one season ending injury with uh, Ben Wisdorf. We'll find out a little bit more. I know there's been many times I've declared a guy that he's not going to come back at all, and then somehow he gets resurrected. So just be a little bit mindful of that. We haven't got the final confirmation yet, but all indications from the initial observation and assessment that he's got a torn ACL. So, the bends, hopefully, it's not that, but that's kind of where we're at. But outside of that, it was certainly a physical game, but I think we made it through fairly healthy and getting ready for another Mountain West uh, game. Uh, and, uh, relative uh, to our opponent, uh, you know, Utah State's an explosive offense. Jordan Love got a great arm. He's mobile. Uh, they've got a whole um, stable of receivers that they're able to go to big strong offensive line. Uh, their defense poses challenges. Um, they're, you know they'll operate out of a three down front to four down front. A lot of different looks there, and uh, so we're certainly excited about playing the ball game. There's a lot on the line. It's another opportunity for us to come up with a Mountain uh, West win.
1: As Coach Craig ball in his opening statement on the Utah or uh, uh, recapping the Boise State game and their loss 20 to 17 in overtime. And, of course, uh, a little bit on Jordan Love, which continuing on that, here is Coach Bull on the Aggie offense.
2: Well, I, what, I, what I have seen is, uh, you know, they have a new offensive coordinator who we know, I know him, and uh, um, a lot of the schemes are very similar, though. Uh, there's times that he, he looks like he's right in phase to where he was last year, and there's other times it looks like, you know, maybe there's something missing here or there, but he's a very um, – talented player. Uh, he is very capable of putting up big numbers, and we're going to anticipate that. And so you don't want to make too much of saying, okay, he's off. Um, maybe his numbers are not quite where they were. Some of that may be with some of their opponents. I know he's very talented. we got our hands full with him.
1: I'll take a break. Coming back, you're going to hear from Davis Potter of the Star Tribune on Wyoming The uh, excuse me as he talked about the Wyoming Cowboys. From a Wyoming perspective, that's all coming up on the Full Court Press. I'm RJ Salvison Uh, Eric Franson will be back. He's getting audio from Utah State Football, so he's on his way back. We'll get his thoughts on what the USU practice looked like from a general standpoint, no specifics, of course, and uh, the feeling as they get ready for a big, big game on Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock. Listen to the Full Court Press on 106.9 FM.
4: Saturday on Compass Media Network's coverage of NCAA football. It's a battle in the SEC West as the Alabama Crimson Tide hit the road to take on Mississippi State. Hi, this is Jesse Agler. Join Chad Brown and me for all the action as Kylan Hill and the Bulldogs look to pull off the upset or an Alabama team looking to rebound after its loss to LSU. Can Coach Saban rally his troops or will the home Bulldogs make it back-to-back L's for the Tide? It's Alabama and Mississippi State. If it's college football, it's right here. Saturday morning at 9.30
0: on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fans. Saturday afternoon at 5 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Talking the sports you care about, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan.
1: Ozzy like here on the Full Court Press. Eric Francis is back, but we're going to get to his thoughts here in a little bit.
4: Oh, sorry, I, I can wait. I should put it on pause. Well, yeah,
1: you come in. Oh, I'm surprised I heard your voice. Yeah, I do this... things differently.
4: Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, Jeez. That's the statement of the year. Don't wet your pants. All
1: right, it's time to get into Davis Potter here, uh, the Star Tribune. Here is his breakdown. It's a pre-recorded interview with Davis. He had practice at 5 o'clock for Wyoming, so he had to get to that. But here is his thoughts on the Wyoming Cowboys. And, uh, and his prediction at the end. Yeah, his prediction at the end, which might catch you off guard just a bit. All right, so joining us now from the Star Tribune is uh, Wyoming Cowboy beat writer, who does a great job, by the way. Uh, we have Davis Potter with us. Uh, joining us here on the Full Court Press to talk Wyoming Wyoming Cowboy football. Davis, how are you, my man?
3: I'm doing well, man. How are you
1: guys? We're good. Hey, thanks for joining us. Uh, let's start here. This Wyoming Cowboy football team has had some success despite some injuries, uh, none more significant than when they lost their court- starting quarterback, Sean Chambers. Uh, what is the feeling like as they enter into this final stretch of the season where they actually control their own destiny?
3: Yeah, well, um, as far as uh, sort of the, the mountain division, I guess they don't anymore after the loss to Boise State because Boise State's up. Two games on them, uh, and really three, since they now have the head-to-head tiebreaker, which is three to play. But um, you know, I think this is about where Wyoming, uh, and a lot of people probably thought—at least that are you know that are close to the program or, or, or follow uh, the program—probably thought this team would be um, you know nine games into the year, uh, particularly with some of the injuries uh, that you sort of hit on and. Um, other, obviously, you know, Sean Chambers is, is the, the big one, but um, you know, this started back in the spring where they lost uh, two offensive linemen that were probably going to be part of their starting five, um, and Gavin Rush and Zach Watts, both of them suffered knee injuries back in the spring um, that are kept them that were season-ending, and then um, you know they, they've had Eric Boyce, another offensive lineman, go down with it season-ending injury, um, and then, uh, you know, they're down two of their top three running backs right now in uh, Trey Smith and uh, the freshman Titus Swin. So, um, yeah, it's just sort of been a mash year, particularly uh, on the offensive side of the football. So, um, you know, they've, you know, I think they've done uh, about what they were expected to do, and they they really had a, a more favorable schedule uh, just when you look at, at sort of the quality of the opponent and what those teams did last year and what those teams had coming back, um, you know, those first eight games. And then uh, you start Mountain West play off um, at home with uh, New Mexico and uh, UNLV. And then uh, they had to go to San Diego State, but then you had Nevada back at home again. And, um, you know, San Diego State was going to be the, the tough one uh, during that stretch. And, and they were in that thing till the very end and had a lead with about five six minutes to go until San Diego state um, drove down for the for the winning score there late but um, yeah I mean they they really need to get out of that those first eight games uh, at least six and two and and that's what they ended up doing because their November schedule was was just such a bear I mean when you looked at obviously the the game last week at, at Boise State, and they've got to obviously go to Logan this week and take on uh, a really good Utah State team. And then um, in two weeks, they got to go back on the road to end the season at Air Force. And their only home game during that stretch is their, their big rival game, the Border War against Colorado State here in a couple weeks. So, um, you know, I think this is about um, where, you know, a lot of people that, that, that actually follow it and know what Wyoming had coming back, it's where I know their personnel, uh, and some some of their experience, I think this is about where um, you know at least I envisioned uh, this team team to be. And then um, you know if they can you know if they're able to pick up an, another win or two um, down the stretch here, obviously with with the schedule they're facing, I think that would that would be a huge accomplishment for them, and and would secure a, a third bowl for them in uh, the last four years.
4: One of the things about Wyoming that we've noticed under Craig Bowl is how tough they play defensively. Uh, yes, they've got some injuries on offense. and I want to get back to that in a moment. But this is a team that uh, consistently has a really good defensive team. And, and it's difficult to score points on this, on this Wyoming Cowboys squad. Um, and it uh, lo- looks like a lot of those studs are still back for Wyoming and making a big a big part of this. Give us a feel for what that defensive scheme looks like in the, in the main key players that are still making things happen for the Cowboys.
3: Yeah, well, there's no doubt. I mean, if you, when you come to play Wyoming, well, you better bring your hard hat on both sides of the ball, because that is, uh, I mean, you would be hard-pressed to find a more physical team in the Mountain West than, uh, than Wyoming, and yeah, particularly uh, defensively. I mean, that's sort of what you ex- would expect for a Craig coach team. Obviously, he's got a defensive background as a uh, longtime coordinator there at Nebraska, uh, being the you know a uh, Tyler Osborne disciple when when he was on that staff many years ago. But um, yeah, they they sort of changed their uh, defensive philosophy to an extent uh, coming into this year. Now they obviously have the new um, defensive coordinator in Jake Dickert, who's it's not really a new face. I mean, he had been on staff as their safety's coach uh, for the last couple of years. And then when Scotty Hazelton took the um, DC job at Kansas state, they promoted him from within. And um, so the, the, the scheme and what they do hasn't really changed a whole lot, but, um, you, know, how they approach it, I guess it has changed a little bit because they were so experienced up front on their defensive line last year. I mean, they lost five guys off their two d that were on the defensive line off from last year's team and uh, so they really just they let those guys the front four really go to work and, and um you know really most of the time dropped six or seven guys into coverage and really played um you know zone behind and try to keep everything in front of them. They still do that to an extent but this year they they're really um, using more pressure packages and, and you know blitzing more and uh trying to uh, generate more pressure that way because they really, well, I mean, it's funny that they lead the Mountain West in sacks, but they really don't have that dominant pass rusher and that that guy that offenses really have to account for. Um, I I mean, in fact, I think uh, there's a redshirt freshman, Solomon Burr, who's probably been their most consistent rush threat. Uh, He's had a really good year for them. But, um, you know, they've had this sort of – it's sort of reversed this year where their secondary, uh, at least going into the year, was a lot more experienced um, than their front four and, and really their front seven. But um, you know, some of their quarterback depth has been thinned out with uh, some departures and, and some other guys that have gone down with um, season in the injuries, namely C.J. Colton. I mean, they lost him again just after uh, three games this season to a knee injury. So, um, you know, It's it's sort of reversal last year. They had so much experience up front, and and were less experienced in the back end this year. They're more experienced, sort of in their in their back six and back seven, and and they try to sort of compensate for that up front with trying to you know mix up their pressure packages and sort of pick and choose times when um, when they want to uh, you know try to uh, apply pressure uh, and when they feel like they need to do that. And obviously, um, it, it's worked pretty well so far this season.
1: Uh, Two part question. One, how sickened was Wyoming after losing that game to Boise State the way they did? And what were the positives that you felt like Coach Bull took out of that game going into uh, this week?
3: Yeah, I mean it, that that was that, that was a heartbreaker for him, no doubt. And you felt for those guys. I mean, there were some there were some wet eyes, you know, when we talked uh, to the players afterward. I mean, they they really took that loss hard with just, uh, you know, not only the way that game ended with, with the, with the missed field goal and, uh, and I'm sure probably thinking that they were going to, um, you know, go out there for a second overtime because Cooper Ross been one of the best kickers in, in the country the last couple of years. But um, also just what was at stake in that game? Again, I mentioned that um, Boise state really controls the destiny now um, in, in terms of the Mountain West uh, and the Mountain Division race. Uh, if, if, Wyoming had won that game, they would still control their own destiny. I mean, they obviously have Utah State this week and um, and, and then Air Force at the end of the season. So, you know, all of their key uh, division games were were coming in this month. And um, now you lose that game. And like I said, they're, they're basically three games back of Boise State atop the division standings with uh, Boise having the head-to-head tiebreaker. So, essentially, Wyoming would have to win out and Boise State would have to lose out. And, uh, I mean <laughs> – that's probably not going to happen. Um, so, and, and that's something that, that these Wyoming players and coaches, even to an extent, you know, talked about even um, during the off season and, and during fall camp was the fact that uh, you know they were picked fourth in the uh, in the Mountain Division uh, in the uh, Mountain West preseason poll, and and obviously that, that they could still finish there, but a lot of them were talking about how you know they thought they were a lot better than that, and that their realistic goals were to compete. And, uh, and to get to the Mountain West Championship game. And now, you know, a lot's going to have to fall right. And they're obviously going to have to get some luck for, for that to happen at this point. So, um, yeah, when you just included all of that, that was a really tough one for them to swallow. But I think some of the positives, are, you got to start with Tyler Randlewell. um, You know, a guy who was obviously backing up Sean Chambers and you know, lost his starting job to, to Sean towards the end of last year and, you know, had to... You come in and make his first start of the season, and he actually—it gets lost in the shuffle just with with how that game ended and and everything that went with it. But he actually had his uh, most efficient game of his career, uh, completed right at sixty-five percent of his passes, and that's something that early on in in his career he's really struggled with. I mean, that was a big part of the reason why um, you know he was bench last year because he he finished the season with a well, completing less than half of his passes, and the offense just really wasn't doing much of anything with him a quarterback last year, and,
4: you know, he comes
3: in in that environment, I guess the top 25 team on the road, and uh, goes 15 of 23 uh, through the air, and even had a rushing touchdown, a three-yard rushing touchdown there for for their Wyoming's first touchdown, so, um, you know, there was was one throw that he had on the flea flicker uh, to uh, open overtime, where he threw it into double coverage, and uh, he was lucky, really lucky it wasn't intercepted in the game right there, but other than that, I mean, he, he did everything while we needed him to do. He, he was efficient. I think he was, uh, you know, he was decisive going through his reads. And when he, when he decided he wanted so he found a receiver and wanted to throw at him, he, um, you know, he, he, he delivered the ball on time and, and, and with accuracy for the most part. And uh, I think that's something obviously you can build on and uh, that you need to get a build on. Cause they're going to need him to play well, obviously going through this November gauntlet that they have. And, and then defensively, I mean, I, not that it's any surprise, but um, you know Boise State was one of the most explosive offenses in the in the league um, going into that game, and you know Boise State's known for offense, and you know all the, some of their trickery, and all their formations and shifts, and and all that stuff. And Wyoming held them to 285 yards, um, and you know had the lead going into the fourth quarter of that game. So um, you know, it, not, not that it's all that surprising that Wyoming's defense played well. I mean, we, we've talked about it there. They're one of the best defenses in the league, and that defense is going to keep them in every game they play. The question going forward, particularly in these last three games, uh, with the caliber of opponent they're going to be playing is, are they going to be able to produce enough offense to get over the hump and pull out some of these games?
4: Again, we're talking to Davis Potter. He is a beat writer for the Wyoming Cowboys for the Star Tribune. And uh, you, you talked about the quarterback position. I was going to ask you about that. You've covered that. So let me ask you about the running back situation. Uh, Zazavian Valade, solid runner, power runner, uh, very good running back, but he, he's lacking some help. He's carrying a lot of the load himself. He seems to be doing okay with that, but there was sounds like there were a couple of questions during the press conference this week to Coach Bull. If that can continue, into how, to what level of success can that continue?
3: Yeah, it's. I mean, it is the question right now because, as I mentioned, they're down two of their top three running backs to injury. They're supposed to be getting Titus Wynn back relatively soon. Uh, Craig actually said he's probably going to be unavailable this week, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if you see him back against Colorado State. But um, yeah, I mean, it's Xavier Valade got thirty-seven carries and he was only running back to get a carry. And it's it's funny, you know, we, when you know uh, these injuries. Short- Started piling up, um, you know, a few weeks back. Um, you know, Xavier had, had never carried, had never had more than uh, like 23 carries um, last season because he's just a sophomore now. But um, you know, he he's had a 26 carry game this year, a 32 carry game this year, and then had 37 against Boise. And it's funny because Craig Bowl had, had said that you know that back when he was getting 26, 32, he said, "Yeah, that's probably a little bit too many." Yet. Every week, he seems to set a new career high in the number of carries.
1: And did you tell us that he carried the ball for thirty-eight? Well, uh, how many carries did he have versus Boise?
3: Thirty-seven.
1: I mean, that's incredible. I mean, and and with that, yeah. at some point, the coach has got to say, "Hey, look, we've got to put some, you know, help on, you know, give some help from Vanderwall." Does he feel like you know maybe they're going to put some responsibility in Vanderwall's hands versus Utah State? Maybe throwing the ball?
3: Yeah, I don't. I don't know if they really have much of a choice. I mean, he's obviously not the, look, he's not the same runner um, that, that Sean is, Sean Chambers is. And, and really nobody is, but um, yeah, I mean, 37 carries, that's, that's too many for, for X. I mean, he's, he's not, he's not built uh, to, you know, physically to really uh, withstand that I many. If he keeps doing that, you wonder at some point, if, uh, if, if he's going to go down and then you don't really have anything at running back. I mean, they'll, they, at that point, they would have to be forced to probably uh, insert another true freshman, Alfonso Andrews, who's the guy that they've talked about. Um, he's the ol- Right now, he's the only other available, healthy, scholarship running back that they have. And, uh, you know, I actually asked Craig about him at the his press conference this week earlier, and he said he just doesn't, he-, he hasn't performed well enough in practice for them to feel comfortable really playing him at this point. Um, a Brent Vegan, the offensive coordinator, said he's, he's made some strides and even said that, you know, they're getting closer to him possibly being able to play, and that's really something they need at this point because, yeah, like I said, I mean, they're, they're another injury to X away from, from things really, really getting dire back there. And I, I just wonder if maybe this is something where they, yeah, you, you use Tyler Vanderwalt a little more in their running game because he's not a stiff back there. He's an athletic guy. Um, yeah, and, and try to use him to keep defenses honest, or maybe if they – um, you know, or force maybe to, or look at maybe using some receivers on some perimeter runs and and uh, going side sideline to sideline sort of. And I think that's something that they probably need to look at doing anyway, just because uh, you know most all I, primarily their runs are, are between the tackles, and specifically through the A and B gaps. Uh, and a lot of, that was a lot of the case against Boise. And you have got defenses that are just sort of waiting on that. I know there were. There was a lot of fan frustration after that game Uh, with the the fourth and one call at Mm -hmm. the end of regulation and then a a third and four call um, during overtime where they um, were right back to the well and and ran the ball at the middle and and got stuffed both times. And, um, you know, I think most defenses at this point are just waiting for Wyoming to run the ball up the gut. And, uh, you know, Wyoming is, is... as much as they do it, they've been pretty good at it this year. But, you know, with some of those, when you don't have to worry about the quarterback run as much anymore with, with, with Sean Chambers hurt, um, you know, I think that's something that, that, that they need, need to try to look at maybe getting some guys out on the edge and, and look at some perimeter runs just so defenses have something else that they have to account for.
1: Hey, really quickly before we let you go, uh, I gotta ask you: What are your thoughts on Utah State, and what is what is Coach Bull seeing out of this squad? And and I mean, where are the strengths lie for Utah State, and what do you think the weaknesses are in this offense as well, or even defense? Yeah, uh, I, I don't
3: know. I'm not sure I can really answer that since I don't cover them. But I, I mean, I think the interesting thing to me has been offensively, and Jordan Love specifically. I mean a dude that's got all the physical talent in the world, obviously getting a ton of buzz as a guy that can work his way into the first round of next year's NFL draft. Um, You know, he's as impressive physically as any college quarterback that I've seen in a while. Uh, But I don't really know what's going on with some of his decision-making at times. I don't know if it's – because obviously he's got more interceptions than he does touchdowns at this point in the year. And and you watch him, it's like one at one play – I mean, he's dropping one in the bread basket 40 yards down the sideline on a deep ball, and then the next play he's throwing into double, sometimes triple coverage. And I just wonder with so many of the the, the pieces around him from last year that he lost on that offensive side of the ball, I think three of their top receivers, uh, four of their starting offensive linemen, uh, their starting running backs. Um, I wonder if sometimes he's just pressing and feeling like he has to go out there and, and make things happen. Um, so that's going to be something – to watch specifically in this game because, you know, as turnover prone as, as Jordan has been at times, um, you know, that, that's something Wyoming uh, has taken advantage of. I mean, they're they're one of the top teams in the country in turnover margin. Um, they, they forced two more against Boise State, and actually that's that's the first game this season that Wyoming has won the turnover battle and lost a game. Mm. Um, so, uh, but Wyoming's... The secondary is, is the place they, they've been suspect. I mean, they're giving up the second-most passing yards in the Mountain West this year and really have not gotten a ton of interceptions um, on the back end of that defense. So um, I, I don't know if that's something that uh, – you. I mean, I think that's something that Utah State's obviously going to try to exploit, but Wyoming uh, also leads the uh, conference in, in facts. has been as good as anybody is generating some of that pressure that, that I mentioned before – up front, and uh, I think that's something that they're going to have to do to Jordan Love. I mean, they can't just let him sit back there and uh, just pick them apart. And that's something that J- Jake Dickert, the defensive the coordinator, said earlier this week was the fact that, uh, you know, we, we've got to get people at his feet. We've got to make him uncomfortable, uh, get him moving in the pocket, um, because that, that, I think that's where he's been um, suspect some of their turnovers. When he feels some pressure, you know, he, 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 he tends to overthrow the ball, uh, throw it behind the receiver, like like a lot of quarterbacks do. I mean, you put pressure on any quarterback; they're obviously not going to be as effective. But I think that's especially true this week. So I would expect uh, Wyoming to sort of throw the kitchen sink at, at Jordan Love and give him as many different looks as possible as they as they try to uh, get him out of rhythm on Saturday.
1: So, really quickly, what's your prediction for Saturday afternoon? And be honest; you you can be honest. It's all it's all right.
3: Um, I think Utah State wins. I I think, I I mean, until Wyoming, because, again, it it, it comes back to, are they going to be able to generate enough offense? Are they going to be able to trust Tyler VanderWaal to, you know, throw it 30 times if he needs to? Now, um, you know, that's really outside of Wyoming's comfort zone. I mean, they really want to stay around 20, 25 attempts, regardless of which quarterback's in the game. Obviously, their identity is running the ball. Um, but, you know, if Utah State loads up and they're able to contain Wyoming's running game, um, you know, are not they going to be able to make enough passes or plays in the passing game to ultimately come up with enough offense to score? Because all, th- all three of their losses this year have come by a combined 10 points. And Wyoming has not scored more than 22 points in any of those games. And I just – I don't – I think it's going to take more than 22 points to – to win on the road at Utah State. Well, with, with, when you have an offense on that on their side, that's, that's as, as capable as they are as, as putting up explosive plays and a bunch of points. So, um, you know, I think Utah State probably wins another close one.
1: Davis Potter, it's been an absolute pleasure and honor. Great stuff from you, as always. Uh, best wishes uh, on Saturday, and we'll be uh, chatting with you soon. Big thanks to Davis Potter. Greatly appreciate him taking the time to join us there for a, a very long, lengthy interview, but really... Really well done with some. Yeah, it's some good stuff.
4: Defensive schemes. What's going on offensively? Injuries. uh, Good insight as to what's going on with Wyoming football.
1: All right, we'll be back in seventy seconds to close up the full court press here on a Wednesday evening and get you ready for a Thursday show. What? Is to come. Eric France and Al J Salveson, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan
0: interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The full court press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan.
1: Eric, Francis, and Sal, sitting on the Full Court Press. We're getting ready to wrap up the show. Grateful for you guys joining us, however and wherever you have joined us. Really, really appreciate you listeners. I uh, hope you know that. And when people come by to me and say, hey, love listening to your show, or, hey, I listen to your show, but I hate your opinions, like, it really does mean the world to me. Whether you hate my opinions or whether you hate me or not, still means the world that you'll have you listen in. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, AJ. Yes. When Eric goes and takes evenings off to go get some French toast at Angie's.
4: I learned something today, Ajay. What did you learn? I learned that um, you like to eat all of your French fries before you eat your sandwich.
1: Yeah. So I will always eat the side dish before I eat the main course. Always. I never, ever touch my main course until I finish my side dish. I don't know why. It's always been. I've always done that, though.
4: Did something happen to you in your youth that <laughs> in order to get some fries, you had to take them down first or else they would be taken from you? Yes.
1: Yes. I was I was forced to eat that stuff before I could ever have my fries. I mean, my main course meal.
4: Hmm. Okay.
1: Are you happy? Yeah. Now you got to know me? I was just curious. You freaking perv balls or any other details you <laughs> want to know?
4: I don't know what was perverted about
1: that. It, it was, was just curious. All of it was.
4: Hey, this Wyoming team is really interesting. They're not really a run-up-the-score kind of a team. Um, They can move the ball a lot of ways similar to Air Force in that they will hold on to the ball a lot, and they can put together long drives and just bruise you uh, in the middle of the field with a really good running back. Um, Vanderwall is more of a passer than Chambers was. Chambers was more dynamic with his feet, and last year, that caused problems with USU. Had he played the entire game, USU would have lost. Mm-hmm. That was how it was trending. Vanderwall, I think Utah State can get after him and confuse him a little bit. Uh, and I think that that uh, limits the uh, how much of the field can be used in the running game too. They're more of a in the middle type of running, not much on the edges. Chambers would scramble on the edges, and now that's taken away. So what I, what I am curious to see is how much do they open up to uh, a pretty good tight end? They've got a pretty good wide receiver. How much do they use them a little bit more? Uh, because Validay gets used a lot. Yeah. So how durable is he? I mean, so far it's been okay. I mean, he's been able to do it, but this later in the, later in the season, that – could catch up to you a little bit um, since all the other running backs are out. So if it's going to be a running play. If he's on the field, he's going to get the ball, and he's going to run.
1: Yeah, this uh, ex validate kid, I mean, they're not afraid to use him. In fact, you heard Coach Bull say it already. We're going to keep running him.
4: First, we're going to keep using him, and if it's effective, we're going to keep using him. Yeah, we're because we're not analytics, guys. <laughs> we don't care about them stats yeah. and them numbers. Yeah, take that for data. Uh, no. And, and look, this
1: team is the thing I like about what I'm excited about on Saturday, Eric, it's just the physicality. Well, Wyoming loves to hit you. And then as coach Henderson so well said it, um, that they'll punch you in the mouth. And when you're on the ground, they'll kick you in the face as they walk you by. <laughs> uh, and well, that might be true. We'll find out. I hope if that's the case. There's a couple of personal flags coming. Uh, but, uh, again, Utah State, this is something they've really needed to do and I mean they've lost that edge for some reason, but they need to be physical. They are going to be tested physically and if they can't reach back and punch back, they're going to be in some serious trouble very very early. Uh this this team is this team is not afraid to just shove it down your throat for 40 times. They did it to Boise State, they'll do it to us.
4: Right, and, and on the flip side, they're not afraid to keep coming after you defensively either. Uh, I thought it was interesting that here in the interview that their their strong defensive front has changed. is maybe not as as stout, but they have really good linebackers and good secondary. Yeah, And that has me concerned in different ways with... Because that front group applied pressure and a physical attack on Jordan, what made him uncomfortable and didn't give him time. Now, the strength of their defense is what's kind of keep everything in front of you. And what we've seen, when teams drop back into coverage and just send a lot of guys back, they're prone to pick it off and to cause more problems for Jordan. And then these coverage sacks start to come in. So that offensive line is going to have to do their darndest to give him time and give him protection.
1: Coming up on tomorrow's edition of the Full Court Press, we'll have pick six for you. We'll get you ready for some more Utah State Aggie football. We'll also get you ready for Aggie basketball. They take on North Carolina a Hey, Bob, I just got a text from a good friend of mine, uh, someone who I admire. Oh, and, and they I just, didn't know you had
4: one of those. I, I do, and it's okay. no longer.
1: It used to be you until you were mean to me. Oh, but he says I love the show, but I really like the tidbit about you eating your fries before your sandwich. I am the same way. He says it must have been how we were raised. I'm not going to give any credit to my parents. For me having such a good idea. How about that? That was by myself. Okay. I learned to be a good eater by myself, not by my parents. In India? Yes. When they Is that where feed, you learned that? Yeah. Well, when they gave me a formosa and uh, some curry, you know, it was always a curry that I ate first. <laughs> okay. And then the main meal after.
4: Uh, so today I had a chance to talk to Troy Leffords Jr., Taylor Compton, and Caden and Anderson. We'll hear from them tomorrow. You'll hear from Jacoby Wildman tomorrow. Yeah, uh, just the the sense of how practices are going this week and what it was like to get that win against Fresno and, and still have all their goals still in front of them. And so, uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun to hear from them tomorrow.
1: A big thanks to uh, – I keep forgetting his name – Davis Potter from the Star Tribune in Wyoming uh, for joining us on the show. He was such a delightful, happy man uh, from start to f- – Start to finish. He
4: was good. He was good. He had some good insight.
1: Oh, yeah, he did. But, I mean, you could smile while you do it. You're not Bill Belichick. Oh.
4: He is a newspaper reporter.
1: That's true. That Don't. Eric, you know better. Don't even try to set no, me they, up for that. They have per-
4: I'm just saying oh. that personality, they usually go to radio or television.
1: For Eric Franson, for Davis Potter, I'm Ajay Salston. Thanks for joining us on tonight's show. You can find it on our podcast platform. We'll see you on Thursday on the Full Court Press.